Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now On this bonus episode, we're going to be talking to James Spurgeon. You might remember him from a few episodes ago where we talked about harvesting and reusing Kvike. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. But even then, James happened to be in Colorado the week after we did the recording, and we managed to get together and grab some beers. So I have a beer tasting that we did of some beers that James dropped off to me, and we... Did a remote tasting just like I do all of my interviews, and we were able to talk about the types of beers that he makes. So stick around and listen to the Lake Fork beer tasting this week on Homebrewing DIY. Building recipes and taking good notes are two of the key fundamentals of making great beer. This is one of the first things that you learn when becoming a new brewer. I started taking notes on a sheet from my extract kit and then quickly moved to brewing software. I've tried many different types of brewing software and then I found Brewfather. This is the one piece of software that you need for recipes and very detailed brew day notes, as well as fermentation notes. Brewfather also integrates with some of the topics that we discuss on the show, like the till hydrometer, the ice spindle, and ferment track. You need no other piece of software than Brewfather. One of the best parts of Brewfather is that you can try it for free. All you need to do is head to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and click on the Brewfather banner to sign up for free today. Once again, that's homebrewingdiy.beer, and sign up for Brewfather today. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the crucin ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast, and that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruisin'. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com.
Have you ever wanted to make a podcast? Do you have a subject you want to discuss with listeners? Do you even know where to start? Well, if you want to make a podcast and you want to get started now, I could not recommend Anchor enough. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Hey, look, I shopped around for a place to post my podcast and Anchor was the easiest, most streamlined experience you could ask for. So if you're looking for a place for your new podcast, Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts. This show covers it all. On this bonus episode, we're talking to James Spurgeon. We had him on the show again. We're going to discuss some beers that he had made, and we're just going to sit down and do a fun little beer tasting. And that's pretty much what this bonus episode is going to be. So sit back and relax and enjoy the bonus episode. The only thing I'd like to do is thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. And if you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy or write and leave us a review. So let's just jump into this week's episode and let's talk to James Spurgeon about Lake Fork Brewing. I'd like to welcome James Spurgeon back to the show. If you remember last time James was on the show, we were talking about harvesting and reusing kvike yeast. Well, after we were done talking on the show, he and I connected and James let me know that he had actually was on his way to Colorado. And so we uh, met up at a park and socially distanced and played some disc golf and he gave me some beers. And so I have him back on the line and we're going to do a bit of a beer tasting. We're going to taste a, a wider range of the beers a wide array of beers that he's made. We're going to taste three of them and there's no like rhyme or reason. We're just going to taste beers and give each other feedback. And that sound good to you, James. Sounds good to me. Awesome. So let's start with the, the three beers that we have here today. And maybe what we'll do is we'll get, we'll do one beer at a time. And as we taste it, I think what we'll do is talk about what your process look like and, and see if we can taste any of it. What do you say? Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. So let's start clean and work our way to hoppy. So first beer you gave me was an Oktoberfest, uh, a Marzen style. I'm looking here on the bottle and like your labels, by the way. And it looks Thank like you. you packaged this on the 14th of July. And it's a 5.9% alcohol Marzen style beer. Why don't you do me the favor? And as of right, why don't you give me a bit about what you were trying to do with this beer and maybe a bit of background on it okay so um with this beer i just i usually don't do kits but i decided to get a kit to try to i had just gotten the anvil foundry and was trying to dial in my volumes and my gravities 
and work towards that. And so I thought I'd just make some kind of quick Marzen style Oktoberfest. But I didn't even use a lager yeast. I believe I used SO4 and just fermented low. And so it was just supposed to be something quick because I have a lot of lager drinking friends, but I didn't want anything too too light. I mean, it came out very clear actually, but it's been sitting in my keg since July, right? I, I don't have it in front of me here. It's I don't go through these styles too quickly. They're more of my friends' beers. And so I just wanted to package some up on the way to Colorado too because some of my family up there doesn't drink these hoppy New England IPAs or sours that I like to make. So it was a simple, simple beer. I think it was... Uh, I wish I had the... the my notes right in front of me i might be able to pull it up and give you the grist but um have you tasted it yet at all yeah i'm tasting it right now and i, I would say my first thing that i'm going to say is the carbonation's really good in it so it traveled well did you fill this off the keg or did you bottle condition it I, i'm gonna it's, it tastes like to me like you filled it off the keg uh, i definitely filled it off the keg with a beer gun yeah there, there's no oxygen issues with it did so I, I, the good on you on this. Uh, there's zero issues with, you know, there's no wet cardboard flavor or anything like that. You definitely get a bit of the hoppiness in it. It's it's not an overly hoppy beer. It's malty. It's malt forward. I will say though, because it's not a lager yeast, you can kind of taste that you used an ale yeast on it, right? Right. I definitely agree with that. I it's not perfect. It's not super clean, as clean as I'd like it to be. And it was kind of more of a rush beer. I didn't want to log or anything. I just wanted to have it ready for the next weekend. I mean, not that quick, but basically what I was trying to do while dialing in my process on using the Anvil. I had switched from that propane burner outdoors to the Anvil Foundry. It took me about five or six recipes before I really got dialed in on my, um, like with my Brewfather app, putting in my numbers, my boil off, my, um, great absorp- absorption and just hitting my numbers and it's it's funny because I the less grain I use the higher my mash efficiency goes up and the more grain I use the lower it goes so I have to adjust with every brew yeah that. that that that's pretty par for the course when you think of to be honest like the 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 mash and boil the grain father the these style of of these all-in-one electric breweries are kind of they're, they're kind of a hybrid between sparging and brew in a bag, right? Right, right. And so one yeah. of the things that I've noticed, even if you do sparge with it, it, because it doesn't have like a sparge arm or anything like that, you kind of just have boiling water and pour sparge water through it, right? Right. It, it's, it's something where the efficiency is very much similar to brew in, the ba- brew in a bag. I get really high efficiencies if I do low ABV beers and brew in a bag, e- squeezing the hell out of my bag without sparging but then the second i try to do like a 1070 or 1080 beer and i have a lot of grain i my efficiency goes way down i i've actually found that with brewing in a bag what i do is if i want to do a really big beer and i have a lot of grain one trick is i i'll double mash so i'll mash for an hour with half the grist squeeze it out go back and mash again in the same wort for another hour with the other half of the grist and then i i've then overcome my issues with my with my uh, efficiency and all i do right. is just factor in two back squeezes so right it's it, exactly it, what i do yeah, yeah I, uh, it I works act- great cool 
Right, right. I managed to do 27 pounds of grain in the Anvil Foundry that way and make that 1143 OG stout. Yeah, it, it it's a long brew day, but it works. Right. It but, was. You know, that was. I will say that if if I were a lager beer drinker and you didn't tell me that this had an SO4 in it, it's it is a really clean fermentation. I would I would have a hard time telling, but and maybe because you told me up front what yeast you used, it, it's kind of I've got it in my head. I, it does have that dry finish of the SO4. I, I've drank a lot of SO4 beer, so I will, I right, will say right. that I, I'm pretty used to that flavor. But it's a really, really good beer. I, I'm, I'm really impressed with what you've done here. It's clean. It's great. I, I like this beer a lot. Thank you. It was. Uh, I think it's less than thirty cents a twelve ounce pour. It's well, so cheap to make these beers. Yeah. Are, so. Don't tell anybody. You'll save money at brewing. We're all supposed to, you know, say to our wives, it's going to be more expensive. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's move on to the second beer. Let's. Uh, we now have a, a sour ale that you've made, seven point five percent. Looks like you bottled this on eight twenty five. Seven. It should be seven. I think I have it in front your hand of me. Your handwriting is as bad as mine. Yeah, it's terrible. Sorry. <laughs> so well, I'm going to taste the beer first, and then have you tell me about it. Like, that's okay. going to be better. So first thing when looking at this beer, and I love doing this on audio, is this thing is the color of a raspberry, like. Pour, it, it literally is like pouring out raspberry colored juice. So in my mind, I haven't tasted this yet. And of course, I, my expected flavor is going to be like a tart raspberry type of sour, like Berliner Weiss style. Uh, I'm going to try it right now. Definitely get uh, a sour berry flavor, but it, it is not overly done. This is really well done on the sour side. It's not super, it, it's tart, but not overly tart to the level of like, of like, like pucker you up kind of tart. This is an easy drinker. I can't believe this is 7.5% alcohol. This seems like a much lighter beer than that. It does. I, I I definitely overdid it when I <laughs> made this. I, I I would prefer if this was about four or five percent, so I could have a lot more. But that's the so... thing: is it drinks like it's four or five percent, and that's dangerous. It's really light on and soft on the mouthfeel. It's it, you know, there's little to no head, but that's expected with a sour beer. You didn't overdo it on the hops. I think that that's something that a lot of people make a mistake on when they make a sour beer is they'll use they'll go for like 20 or 25 IBUs, which is like overkill for a sour beer. You, you want to put some hops in there, but the idea is like, keep it to like 10 IBUs, 15 tops. Right. And right. Right. And this is really, really well done. Like I said, it, I, it's almost dangerous. I could, I could go pour this for my wife right now. She would be like, Oh, this beer is so good. And if I told her it was 7.5%, she would be blown away. So this is a great beer. Thank you, thank you. That one, that one's interesting. If I can tell you about it here now, if that's a yeah, I'd love to hear about it. How'd you make it? So, um, the grain bill I actually found on one of the. I found it on a Kavike Facebook group, and I had done a Kavike beer with it, and I wanted to turn it into a sour. So there's there's a little bit of lactose in this too. I don't know if you can notice. There's a little bit of sweetness. I kind of I think it balances out the sour a little bit more. But uh, it was fermented at about 72 degrees Fahrenheit um, with the new Philly Sour, I believe, from Lollamond, which is not a Saccharomyces. 
and it doesn't have any bacteria either. It's just a lactic acid producing yeast. And mm. so it's uh, it's like eight bucks for a 11 gram pack of it. I pitched two packs. Uh, I just wanted to, because uh, OG was kind of higher on this, I wanted to have plenty of yeast. Um, it was. It's also a raw ale. I did not boil it. It goes up. I bring it up to 180 for a 30 minute whirlpool, and then I chill and put it in the fermenter. So I yeah. believe you're getting the better mouthfeel. Yeah, the lactose is de like now that you say it, I, I can definitely taste the sweetness in the in the mouthfeel of the of the of the lactose in it. So I could I could drink this all day. I just might be in trouble if I do. But yeah. I think. My goal it, was with, delicious. Oh, go ahead. Thank I was just you, saying this you. beer is delicious. Thank you. Uh, so my goal with not boiling it was I just wanted to try to get a thicker, softer mouthfeel that I've read um, you get with no boil ales, and I've done a lot of no boil ales, and I think I agree with it. But usually it's in my New England IPAs, and I think that gets covered up a little bit, oftentimes. But um, this was basically Golden Promise and. Um, some oats and some spelt and lactose it's a uh, nothing too com i mean it is a little complex and i i think it could be done with a, a lighter yeah, a simpler grist it doesn't have to be that complex uh, looking back at it but i because i don't feel like i notice too much maybe i get a little bit more mouthfeel from some of like uh maybe from the oats but i i really am not sure how much i'm actually getting out of the complex grain bill that i had uh, what what I'm getting out of it and what I taste in it is it, I do taste that soft mouthfeel. It, it, it's it's really prominent, and it it is similar to like that that lactose mouthfeel or the oat mouthfeel. It's it's actually very similar to a New England IPA type of mouthfeel. Uh, that that round kind of calcium chloride flavor as well. Did you do any right. changes to the water? I did add, so I can't remember exactly. I did a New England IPA kind of water profile. I think it's, is it two parts chloride disulfate or yeah, maybe it's three two parts? Yeah, it's two okay. parts chloride disulfate is what and is normal. So that's what I did in this. I, I usually do water additions. Not always. It just depends on the brew day. Yeah, this is a, a very, very good beer and unique. I, it's, it's, you know what it, and you know what it tastes like to me is, uh, it has this like it's almost like a like a like a strawberry kind of pie or a, a berry kind of pastry but it's sour it, it, it's really right. unique. it is I, I really enjoy it i'm definitely gonna make it again um it's uh it also the color comes from hibiscus um and i don't know if on your end i noticed with my bottles they came out a lot clearer than um, it's really clear so it's it's really clear out of the bottles, but my keg is still very hazy. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. But every bottle I gave away, the pictures sent back were super clear. And I just I wish I could have taken a picture of this before I drank it. I already drank the flight glass of it, the four ounce pour. But it mine's super hazy over here on my end. So it's it's different. It's, it's I think it tastes the same. I've tasted one out of the bottle, but to me it's very strange that it completely dropped out in the bottles. So I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, look, I'm looking at it here, and I'll, I'll just pour myself a little bit more. And I am getting the top of the bottle, and it's 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 pretty clear. I wouldn't say it's it's crystal clear like a lager or anything. Right, right. But I I could definitely see through it. 
it's got a light haze to it. And yeah, it's, I'm going to, if it's okay, I can real quick send you a picture of what my end looks like and you can see how much hazier it is coming out of the keg. And I, I guess it could be just coming from the bottom of the keg and everything's settling out, settling out down there, but does it make you as know, much you sense? You know what it is, is that I pour it and it's ice cold. And as right. it, it, it might be chill haze because as I sit here and it warms up, I just pour it a little bit and it warms up. It does clear up a bit in the glass. Yeah, yeah, that could definitely be it right there. Which is, Let's, you know, it just means you have proteins flowing in and it's not a big deal. Really cool beer. Let, let's move on to the New England IPA. Okay, okay. Let me, I'm going to have to pop this open here real quick. Have you tasted it yet? I have not. I okay. I know you gave me an extra bottle and was like, taste it if you want. And I, I've actually held out. So here we go. Let me open this up here and pour myself some. And this is called Hazy Hog. Yeah, my dad likes to name my beers. We're in the Lake Fork <laughs> area, so everybody bass fishes over here. So, oh wow, this looks so much clearer here on my end too. I wonder how clear. It's still hazy. It's but hazy. It's not as hazy as usual when I. I mean, the keg's already empty. The keg's been empty for two weeks now. So these are these bottles have been sitting in the fridge for, I mean, almost a month. So they're not... I mean, I should have... I wish I had better haze stability, but it's still pretty hazy for... Just not as hazy compared to when it's fresh. I, You know, the thing is, is that you're still going to have some haze drop out in time. I think that that's just part of the style. And you don't get me wrong. It, the, these beers are best drunk as fresh as possible, right? You want right. to, as soon as they're ready, drink them They're I think that that's the style for new England IPA. The color on right. this, is, I mean, mine's still hazy. And, and what was the, you bottled this on eight twenty seven. What was the actual brew date on this? Um, if you give me one second, I believe, it was a week before, eight twenty okay. maybe. It's it's so it's not very probably, old. It's like a month old, right? Probably ten days before. Probably more like the seventeenth. It's usually about um, six seven days before I keg it, and then it goes into and then I kind of burst carbonate it for three days before I try serving it or pouring it off into bottles. But I will say that this is a I, so one thing with New England IPAs is they're super sensitive to oxygen, right? And, right, and they. Even and trying to bottle them is really tough because they're just going to hit some oxygen with it, and right. they get a kind of purple tinge to them. And this one, as I pour it out, it just has that little. I'm holding it to the sun, and it's hazy, but does have that little touch of purple to it, right? Does it? And, does it? Okay. Yeah, but that's not a problem. I, I expect it to come out of a bottled I, New England IPA. It's just it's kind of one of those things where it's just a thing when you try to bottle a New England IPA. That's not a problem though, because this beer still tastes great. I've I've had some good feedback on it. Uh, I've, the mouth feels great. So, so the the mouth okay. feels great. It it does have, a, and I don't know if there's anything in it, but it does have that. It, it it's a it, it the mouth feels is what I would expect from a New England IPA. Very soft, round, has. It's almost as if you I, I you might have put some lactose in it. Did you put some lactose in it? 
no lactose in this one. Wow, the taste because I, I just drink that that the sour beer, and it has a very very similar mouthfeel than the sour beer, and but it does have that hoppy, a great hoppy aroma, tropical, that. I feel like the carbonation is a little weak on it. Personally. It is a little bit low. It is a little low on the carbonation. And it's um. So what do you like? Uh, so what else do you think about it before I tell you how I made it? If there's any yeah, other the, notes no, you have? The, that it's got a great head on it that is uh, lacing the glass as I'm drinking down it. It's it's holding. It's not dissipating at all. Taste. It, it smells. And, and I'm I may totally be wrong, but it smells like you're using New Zealand or Southern Hemisphere hops. I'm gonna say like Galaxy or Nelson or something like that. Okay, okay. I don't think that's too far off, personally. It's and, uh. And go what, ahead, what, go what, ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna say go ahead. Let's let's talk about the beer itself. Okay, so this is also a raw ale, no boil. Okay. Um, quick brew day usually, unless I double mash. It's um, it's Pilsner, white wheat, and flaked wheat. So that's it for the grist. It's no oats, up huh? to No oats. And it's brought up to, I usually bring it to 178, and I usually hold there for a little, I, I can't remember the time frame on it. It's just enough to basically kill anything that could have been brought in with the mash and sanitize. I don't know if it's, I guess it's sterile. I don't, I'm not sure the right word, sanitize, sterilize the wort, but basically kill off anything that could ferment it and I hold it there for a little while and then I do a 30 minute whirlpool with Citra, Mosaic and CTZ and then uh, I chill it down, uh, pitch in um, usually Omega Voss or Number One Sigmund or Lollamon Voss whatever I grab first because it's all dried and I just grow it up. I grow it up the day of brew day and uh, Erlenmeyer flask pitch it in there and I, as I, when I pitch it, I also pitch the first dry hop because I'm gonna miss, um, I guess, high croisin, high krausen, if I don't pitch the first dry hop with the yeah, yeast. Because were you, this is a, a Kvike New England IPA, and right. when you when you do a liquid pitch with it, it just takes off, right? Like boom. Right, right. And so I'm making a little starter. So I'm using dried flakes into a starter. It's like small 200 milliliter starter. And so I got a, a decent amount of slurry from that. It might be a slight under pitch according to ale pitch rates for normal yeast, but it takes off so fast. And I, I will miss the, I like to dry hop during um, high croisin. I, tr- I don't know much about biotransformation, but I, I like my results that I've gotten pitching during it. So I'll go ahead. Same and here. Pitch. Same here. Yeah. I, I get great results when I pitch during when I do a dry hop during high croissant. And, and I also get more stable haze, I feel like. I think so too. I I definitely think so. And so I'll pitch it with the yeast because I'll miss it if I don't. And then about twenty four hours later, I'm usually the croissant's already dropped, and so I'll pitch the next dry or I say pitch, I'll throw in the next dry hop and then I'll give it about three more days, four more days, and then I'll go ahead and keg it up. I, I don't think I need those three or four more days, but I just kind of wait just in case, just to be on the safe side. And then I keg it. I try to do an oxygen-free transfer to the keg. It's not perfect. I don't have everything set up to do those exactly. 
the way you do it, but I purge the keg of all oxygen as best I can, and I'm very careful not to splash the wort, I, or I guess the beer now that has been fermented, and transfer it, and I cool it down, burst carbonate it, and I can serve it that next day if I want to. It's a little green oftentimes, but not too bad, really, and people drink it up here. I have people stop by to get it all the time, and the five gallons is usually gone within a week. So <laughs> I don't. I, it doesn't last you're, you're long. On, I brew this often. Yeah, and I, I, th- I got to be honest. This is actually my first time tasting a hazy raw ale. So it, it's a, it's a very, and, and it's a great beer. I'm very, very impressed with this beer. Thank you, thank you. I'll have to get it to you fresher next time. I want you to taste it fresh. Even, even a month old. I mean, this is a great beer. I did. There's nothing, there is nothing bad I would say about this beer. You know, I would say the only bad thing I would say about it is the colors. Like I said, it's just got a slight tinge of purple. And I can right. almost guarantee you if I walked over to your tap and poured this off, it would be the orange juice color coming out, right? Right. Yeah, it, that's what it usually looks like. And it, it gets, I mean, I've never had it last this long. It's only because it's bottled this time that there's still some left. I mean, people stop by all the time over here to pick up beer from me. <laughs> and I get actually I get a lot of people trading me. There's a lot of beer traders that I know that will come trade me like other half and um, Trillium for your homebrew. Yes, I get That's trades awesome. all the time, so That's it's, awesome. it's really fun. I've tried well, a lot of weird beers like that. Well, and I just made a beer out of the Oslo yeast that you gave me. So, and I'm doing a Oktoberfest style kind of pseudo lager with it, and I totally was like. I'm just going to see what happens if I do it from dry and I'm not going to like, I, I, I want to do like a clean style beer, but I wanted to kind of push the limit of the Kvike a bit and not just, you know, build it up and try to do it at a cooler temperature or anything like that. Right. Right. And right. it worked. I mean, it, it totally, I put a tablespoon of yeast into a five gallon batch and it did take a while to get going. It took almost I would say about a day and a couple of hours to get going. But then the second right. it got going, it was pretty much done fermenting when, in less than 24 hours. It was, you know, obviously every it's, time I brew a Kvike beer, I'm just like, whoa, so fast. It's insane. It's. But the thing I have noticed is that because I went from dry, I also did do it a little hot. I, I did use some yeast nutrient as well. And I, I think I fermented it around 87 is where it ended up being. Because I set my fermenter to 85, but obviously there's heat being thrown off by the fermentation, and it was around 87. And I do have a bit of a fruity flavor in my beer. And it's okay. It still tastes great. But it it is something where I think that having, if you're going to go for that pseudo lager flavor, I want to have a little bit larger of a a yeast pitch, healthy yeast going in. I think that that's a, a way of doing it. What are your thoughts on, and because you've got a lot of experience with Kvike, what are your thoughts on also fermenting it a little bit cooler, like maybe in the 70s? Is that something you would do if you were going for a cleaner profile? I think that would help, but I haven't like done it enough. I'm planning on doing, I think I've told you a little bit about, um, I've got an experiment coming up where I'm going to brew 20 gallons of a, a light lager, basically probably around 1040 OG, probably a very subtle hop and only Pilsner malt, and I'm going to split that between Crispy, Lutra, Oslo, and then use 3470 as a control, and ferment them all at 68 degrees, 
and see how that comes out compared to some of my other beers because for the most part when I'm doing the Kvikes I like to keep them warmer at least 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I've done a couple at room temp and I haven't been able to taste them side by side to see the differences and I need to do that because I'm not 100% sure what the results will be. So I'm really excited to be brewing up this batch in the next week or two and I'm going to try to get about 50. I would love to, you know, maybe what we should do is, if you're down for it, maybe what we should do is, since you're doing a control batch, let's have you brew that, and we'll have you back on the show again, and we should do a beer tasting of that control batch and see what we can do. I I think that, and and this is just me personally, I want to nail the pseudo lager with Kvike so bad, because I want to make a ton of lagers with it. Like, that is, I think that's going to be, I'm going to call this my winter of pseudo lager, and so... Uh, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts about maybe working that out? Yeah, we can definitely work that out. I already have plans to ship it to a few states because I'm trying to get at least 50 tasters. I I struggled to get as many tasters here. It's not as big of a craft beer scene exactly where I'm at, but I want to get at least 50 tasters on this, and I would love to do a show and talk about this and um, get more information out there depending on my results. I think it'll be pretty controlled. I'm still working on some of the details here but for the most part i think we're gonna get some good results i'm gonna i'm even getting four fermenters that are exactly the same it's all gonna be from the same 120 gallon brew Um, everything i'm still working out the details on pitch rates i want to pitch a healthy um pitch rate i'm not exactly sure where i'm gonna go exactly because i'm um pretty much all of it's gonna be reharvested yeast i'm not gonna have original packages and i'll I'll do starters for all three of the Kvikes. The uh, the 3470, I'll probably end up pitching two packs just to be safe. And I just don't want to... I want to eliminate as many variables as I can. And so all the people that are going to be tasting this don't really listen to podcasts anyway. I don't have a lot of home brewers in my area. But, um, <laughs> so I won't have to worry about them hearing this episode beforehand and knowing that it's Kvike loggers instead of... Uh, typical lagers and 3470 is not even a typical lager strain if i recall correctly i believe it's an l strain the l strain that's just very clean that's correct that is so so i think it'll be a good one as a control because i mean they're recommended temperatures up to like 71 degrees on their packaging so it's something insane like so which isn't insane as it's an l strain but most people can like look at it as a lager i don't think most people think that it's not a like that it's not a lager strain so i think it'll be a good control because it's a cleaner fermenting ale strain at higher temperatures and hopefully i can get at least 50 tasters if you're in east texas you're welcome i'll have a day set up i might even i'm, I'm thinking about talking to a local restaurant that serves craft beer and maybe they'll let me set up inside the restaurant and just everybody that comes in can taste it for free i'm not gonna i can't charge it's homebrew but i would love <laughs> to just get data and as much data as i can get and if I'm going to have 20 gallons of beer, I would be happy to get rid of that 20 gallons of lager anyway so I can ferment some more New England IPAs. So, <laughs> uh, I love the lagers. Well, James, I, I want to thank you for coming back on the show, getting me these beers. This was a really fun tasting. And thank you for coming back on the show. And I look forward to doing being a control on your experiment. It sounds like a good time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy it anytime. So anything I can do, I'm glad to help or be on the show. So 
I'd like to thank James for taking the time to come on the show and do this really fun beer tasting. It was a great time. You can always find James over on Instagram at Lake Fork Brewing, all one word. He's around and and totally open to having conversations with other home brewers. So, and you know, if you want to get some Kvike, he's he's always down to do a yeast swap as well. Well, that's it for this week. And we'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY.